Master Tavern Keepers, History of the Old World. So, shall we continue our talk about leviathans, then? Oh, yeah, yeah. By all means, Master Tavernkeeper. Excellent. But before I can go any further, we simply must talk about Kadon the Shackler, binder of the Seven Drakes of Morn, and one of the few who wrote with any authority on leviathans. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh, but, uh, I'm sorry. Who? Ah, I think I may have mentioned him in passing earlier, or perhaps it was last night. I'm not sure. But anyway, he's uh, worth spending a few moments on now. Caden was a powerful wizard who founded what came to be known as the ancient arcana of Caden. His own idiosyncratic magical way of spellworking and something upheld by both his immediate apprentices and their followers, as well as others who learnt of his teachings through his writings. And thus his legacy has continued long after his disappearance. His work has been of great importance for the race of men up until this point, for we would likely have no wizards of any worth apart from necromancers and witches, but for his example. However, as important as this was, it was not his only legacy, for he also created the famed Scroll of Binding that can be used to subvert the will of beasts and monsters to a wizard's will, a feat that not even the elven mages have achieved to the same extent that Caden had. But I thought that the elves were the best magic workers in the known world. How could a mere man surpass them? Oh, you're right. That's certainly what they themselves believe, the haughty bastard. Ah, ah, ah. Calm yourself, Master Alchemist. Your antipathy to the Masters of Ulthwan is already well known to us without you uh, elf-bashing, when none of them are here to defend themselves. Ach, I should have known you'd jump to their defence. That's fine. Did your friend, the exiled Archmage, Cal Hordis, have anything to say about this there, uh, Caden, then? Ah, yes. It actually cropped up in conversation one time as we were uh, fishing together in the waters near Skeggy off the coast of Lustria. No, Calhordis. Simply magically willing the fish into your bucket is cheating. You have to catch them with this rod and line. That seems like a complete waste of time, human. And that is not what I was doing. We do not practice hedge magic like your arcana of Caden. I merely drew them up and transported them, water and all, from the centre of yonder shoal and into my container. As you can see, it is quite full. I think I... Win our wager. 
Hmm, I suppose you win then. But I would not discount we men so quickly, elf. The arcana of Cadon that you just mentioned, and the feats that he achieved, have not been replicated by your mages, have they, Cal Hordis? Quite correct. This very point was one I myself raised with my own master. Although his retort left me with the unspoken fact that my own thinking was divergent from my peers. Oh, really? What did he say? My master told me that the reason that Caden had succeeded in binding certain monsters, where other mages, be they men or elf, had failed, was simply this. Rather than attempting to suppress his own primitive instincts, Caden embraced them, debasing himself and joining the beast on their lower pedestal in the hierarchy of life. He may have bound them to his bidding in this way, but what did he lose in doing so? Ugh, that is such an elfy way of thinking. They're so brittle in their way of being, it rubs me up the wrong way, something proper. You are quite correct. But it was not a view shared by Calhordis, I stress. He is far more open-minded, which was uh, probably a contributing factor to him taking the actions he took that eventually led to him being exiled. Uh, anyway, that is a tale for another time. Back to Caden. Now, although Caden did in fact bring a leviathan under his control for a time, the infamous leviathan Nonmus, no less, he later swore that leviathans were beyond true control, writing that their minds were too, too different, too alien, to truly comprehend, and their unfathomable wills too strong to coerce and compel. That said, he had no problems summoning them and letting their naturally destructive nature do the rest. But, uh, ah, this is worth mentioning, bearing in mind this rampant destructivity, do not make the oh-so-common mistake of thinking Leviathans a creature of chaos. They are not. They are revenants from the time before the coming of the Old Ones. Anyway, Caden also wrote that he believed the few surviving beasts now live in the uh, deepest parts of the seabed, only bothering to come to the surface to wreak death and havoc on passing ships and galleons. And uh, so, what happened to this Caden then? Well, the most persistent, let's say, legend states that Caden met an untimely end at the hands of a pack of chaos warhounds bound to his will. 
Now, Heinrich and Cedric, you don't need to answer this, as I already know your answers. They'll both be definitely a yes. But neophytes tell us, did your studies encompass the warhounds employed by those of the northern wastes while you were at the guild? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm seeing a lot of shaking heads. Well, these beasts are a far cry from the elegant mastiffs you see used for hunting here in Tylea and uh, Estalia. They are malformed creatures that have been soaked in the taint of the dark gods and in this way have been changed, warped, if you like, into uh, overly muscled bodies attached to a ferocious, savage moor, housing an ungodly number of fangs. I uh, use the word creature as opposed to hound or dog here pointedly, for despite them being called war hounds, not all come from canine stock, as I've heard tell of some resembling big predatory cats in addition to those that were once wolves. That said, all, irrespective of their origin, are most certainly bloodthirsty beasts. But one thing they are not is brave. At least not brave enough to attack anything or anyone that they perceive as stronger than themselves. Yeah, yeah, it is true. In my use, I was once part of a large cohort of mercenaries employed to enter, en masse, as they say in Bretonia, the woods between my home of Sausenmund, the trading town of Bikerhofen on the nearby Middenheim-Erengrad road, and the market town of Grafenlich on the Grafenliver. These woods are renowned for their heavy, naturally crooked branches, which are in high demand by shipwrights. The uh, woodsmen of Bikerhofen fell and cut the trees, sell them to the livermen of Grafenlich, who then transport them to Salzemund. It is a fairly neat little trading network. That was uh, until woodsmen started mysteriously going missing, that is. This was soon noticed, and eventually it was the merchants in Salzemund who uh, organized and paid for us mercenaries to go in and find out what had interrupted the flow of timber and thus coin into the city. It was a misty morning when we lit up our torches, raised our blades and entered the tree line. At our approach, we heard snarls and growls coming from the thickets up ahead and a great many of these misshapen warhounds leapt out from the undergrowth. But as the Master Tavernkeeper indicated, they were not brave. Instead, packs of them would flee before the larger groups of us, whilst others would doggedly harry the trailing edges of the perimeter we had established, pouncing upon our men and bloodily tearing them apart if they strayed too far from our comrades. But uh, as we progressed and our cordon grew tighter and tighter, their attacks grew less frequent. But uh, by that time, we had a horde of desperate, trapped beastmen to contend with. What happened? 
sie faul, inhuman, go, und less than human, ungo, frantically fought against us, felling many. But uh, this was no battle, truth be told. It was a cool, an elimination, and the work was not so dissimilar to the work of the missing woodsman. We simply hacked and cut our way through the morass. It was filthy work, though, and it took three days of washing to finally get all of the blood out of my clothes and hair. The memories I cannot wash away, though. My goodness, Heinrich, you've seen some things in your life. Yeah, more than I'd wish. And when I head into the Palazzo del Vonto tomorrow night with uh, Sven Hammerhelm and the others, I am sure I will see more. Maybe, maybe worse. Oh, well, rest assured, we wish you our best. And uh, don't forget to keep an eye out for my cousin. Yeah, yeah, I've not forgotten. Good, good. But anyway, shall we get back to uh, the uh, story of Caden? It goes like this. He had bound a pack of Chaos War hounds to his will, and so weak-willed are they that this can be easily done by all accounts. Especially by such a uh, powerful wizard as Caden the Shackler. However, when the scent of blood is in the air, warhounds become extremely difficult to control, for the fire of Karnath burns within them, and in this instance, they broke free of Caden's control and slaked their thirst for flesh and blood on their would-be master, ripping him limb from limb. To be honest, though, although this tale has a certain ring of satisfying comeuppance to it, I'm not sure it's true. Surely, Caden, as experienced as he was, would not fall foul of such a uh, beginner's mistake. More likely, this is the tale of the uh, end of one of his apprentices, I feel. This is but one legend, though. Another says that he transformed himself into a powerful monster. Which one, though, I've never been able to uncover, although I personally suspect it was a dragon. But, in any case, he found that he could not turn back to his human form. If this is the case then he could still be out there. Anyway, we were talking about Leviathans, right? Caden, despite having summoned and brought to heal one himself, declared that calling forth a Leviathan, something that you cannot easily control nor dismiss, is an errand for fools who have no desire to live any longer. That said, there is still one type of wizard who actively seek out these beasts, the necromancers, particularly those of the pirate king of the vampire coast. Ah, which reminds me, Heinrich, we simply must get back to your telling of the battle of wills between your grandfather and the mad vampire. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you've finished telling us his history. Ah, ah, ah. indeed. We'll get to it, don't worry. Anyway, Although it might be extremely difficult to control a living leviathan, if it is killed, they are much easier to use. These uh, rotting leviathans can be raised with only the most difficult and powerful incantations, 
and thus they are rare, but alas, not unheard of. Right, well, I think that's enough on Kadon and the crabs. Let us look at the other type of creature that has had the uh, label of Leviathan slapped unceremoniously onto it. So, let us finally turn our attention to the Ichithic Leviathans. For a start, it is not a single species of these gigantic deep-sea fish that get called Leviathan, but rather a swathe of similar monsters from the watery abyss below. More informed scholars have managed to identify two main different types, which they've dubbed the Orb Leviathan and the Black Leviathan. The Orb Leviathan is a very large predator fish from the deepest part of the ocean. They are slow and ponderous, ungainly even, but striking with the certitude of a sinking stone. I've heard stories of encounters with orb leviathans that describe them as being around 45 yards from nose to tail and covered in what seems like a fatty layer of blubber. Yeah, yeah, but what about the name? Why are they called orb leviathans? Are they very round or something? Ah, uh, no, 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 no. The name comes from the luminous glowing orb appendage attached to something called an uh, elysium by Tylean uh, sailors, which means a fishing rod, by the way, which uh, dangles from the creature's head. Stories tell of ships being drawn to a strange glowing light in the sea fog, only to find a demonic moor awaiting them, ready to swallow them whole. Alas, that is about all that I know. The other major type of uh, fishy leviathan is known as the black leviathan. These two are large, carnivorous, deep-sea fish. These are covered in scales thicker than the hull of most great ships, and each possesses a cavernous maw filled with horrific barbed fangs. Although they originate in the deep sea, they come to the surface to hunt. Tales tell how they swim low in the water, with only its eyes and upper fin and whatnot peeking out above the sea. They stalk their prey, getting closer and closer until it is almost upon them. It will then rise up out of the waves, its more agape, and it will swallow its victim down whole. There have been few survivors of these attacks. Obviously, to do that to a ship, they do it to a ship. That means they're big. But as to how big they grow, no one knows. The most famous one of these is the, uh, the Black Moor. And I know that all Tobaran children have heard the stories of this beast. Let me assure you, they're all true. I think that'll do. Now, where's my drink gone? 